Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me as always is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing today, Will? Doing very, very well, Sarah. How about you? Doing good. So, how many times have you rewatched that awkward conversation from Collider Live? Because I'm at least, <laughs> like, ten times. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it a couple of times, for sure. And uh, and then, of course, Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, I was just, you know, when when... Christian was not on, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hmm, does someone have to get go to the principal's office for the weekend or or what?" And then of course, Makuga like and uh, and Riley did not ignore the elephant in the room, even though they poked fun at Roka yeah. <laughs> with that uh, joke as well. Yeah, um, for those of who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Thursday's episode of Collider Live, where there was a heated argument, to say the least, about responsibility and production between Christian Harloff and another coworker. And, you know, I, I have to agree with, with Mark Riley on it, though. It is really good radio. Cause it was. Every now and then. Like, I think that's why shows like that work so well is because you, you wonder, they're not actors or actresses. They're real people who are trying to produce content and earn money. And it does, I mean, egos flare. And so it's every, it's interesting to sometimes see those cracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not that our production meetings ever go that that get that heated. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're we're, like, we're much too low like low timers. Yeah. Yeah, we we yeah, I guess well I, I guess to give folks some context, it was I guess Christian was really pissed off because of the uh, I guess Star Wars Galaxy experience opened up and uh and Folks who are familiar with Collider know he hosts the uh, Jedi Council show, and uh, so he's a huge Star Wars fan. So uh, he was not invited. The, the show wasn't invited, but I think a couple other uh, freelancers from Collider were invited, and so it just he was really butthurt by it, and uh, it is spilled out on the air, and it was it did make for great great TV, uh, yeah. YouTube or great radio. It totally did. Yeah, absolutely. I I was expecting for people to get more butt hurt over the fact that 
Robert Pattinson is the Batman or isn't the Batman. I feel like that's all anybody's talking about for this last week is that it, it keeps getting confirmed and then almost unconfirmed, but we still think it's happening. It's just, it's weird. It's yeah. a weird way to have this come out. Right, right. So at last I checked, and even today as I was preparing for, for our show, he's still confirmed, correct? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Folks, if you hear anything different, let us know. But, uh, I, yeah, cause I was like, okay, I'm running with it this time. And I like posted it on our, all our stuff. And, and I haven't heard anything to the contrary because I didn't want to pull everything down again and say, no, like we did before. It's like, no, actually he's not the Batman, but it looks like Warner Brothers has officially signed off on it. So I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was, they were putting out the, uh, you know, smoke signals and trial balloons early just to sort of see how fandom was going to react, if there were going to be petitions and all the other BS that we've seen recently with news about casting or trailers or whatever. And, uh, I guess they were like, okay, I think, uh, the curating the positives way outweigh the negatives and we'll officially drop it on a Friday. <laughs> I think it was leaked. I, I think WB got caught with their their hand in a cookie jar and it wasn't supposed to come out like this because and and this like just goes along with their track record over the years with all of these movies. They've had issues with directors, issues with talent coming and going, and especially this movie. This movie was originally supposed to be starring and directing by Ben Affleck. And look how that worked out. So I, I honestly think that it's it wasn't planned for them to come out for it to drop like this because if if everything's going to change then why why still a week of mixed signals when it's like no we know this is happening so i i really do think it was a leak and they were um a bit caught off guard to say the least yeah i i think you're right because it was it was one of those things that it dropped i guess Friday, mid-morning, Eastern time, mid-early morning, uh, Western time. And, and it was, it was like, oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, I saw the deadline article on news alerts and I was just like, huh, okay. So I clicked on over and sure enough, it, uh, was said that he was cast and then Entertainment Weekly and a few other outlets picked it up as well. And, and I think you're right. I think it was one of those things that was scooped and then they were really running to play catch up because they probably were hoping to do a lot more fanfare of, yeah. of releasing the, the the new version of Batman, the younger Batman. Yeah. And I mean, now WB, they, there's no going back. Like if you take yeah. this away from me, I will riot. (laughs) (laughs) And people stop with the petitions, the petitions. This is why we can't have nice things. Okay. But speaking of leaky things and the DCU this week uh, on the DC universe streaming service, they dropped the first episode of Swamp Thing, which originally was supposed to be, I guess, either 13 or 15 episodes, but due to production, they cut it down to ten, which yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of thankful for. Yeah. I watched probably 
60 to 80 percent of this pilot. Um, I don't like jump scares. <laughs> I really don't like them. So I spent a lot of time trying to look on other websites as the jump scares occurred, um, resulting in me only owning about like a percentage of actually watching the pilot. Fair enough. I, I had the same. Um, I, I run hot and cold with, with horror films and TV shows and stuff. And, uh, I, I uh, will say that, um, first off with uh with episode count it is going to be 10 from from 13 i guess there was some production issues creative differences they were able to uh under from my understanding rewrite what they needed to do to to finish out the the, the arc and everything so uh so that being said the the palette itself with the jump scares and everything i i really enjoyed it it was DC Universe keeps with each show. I know it's early, it's just a pilot, but coming out of the gate, uh, each one just gets progressively stronger. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm not going to um, drink that Kool-Aid quite yet. Yeah. I, I, I find I found it very refreshing mm-hmm. because we've lately been talking a lot about um, shows in this genre specifically that are a lot of teams and groups of people fighting together for a common cause. So for them to produce a, a mini horror movie almost, um, and set it in a new location. It's not, it's not in the big city. It's in a small town, small town with a history, small town that is like almost decaying in front of them. And, and to have like a simple story between a girl and a boy who act inadvertently cross paths um it was it was nice because we haven't seen it in a while we haven't seen this kind of take and it's a new area of dc that we haven't seen in a long time yeah i I agree i agree and i i think i what i say uh, how i like the pilot and i think they're strong i mean doom patrol looking back definitely was um was a great pilot kickoff for a series and again uh to your point a refreshing take at least in this con- at least with the mm-hmm. doom patrol context it was it was in the teams uh but this one was refreshing in that it was it was a fast hour to, to be in, in a good way uh, yeah. despite the despite the uh the moments where i mean the 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 guy you know, popping up off the uh gurney table was that that i i freely admit i was like i can't watch this <laughs> Just, that was so gross that was so gross but yeah. hands off to yeah. the special effects mm-hmm. because i feel like to go to your point what they are really doing with these shows is if you compare production between titans and doom patrol doom patrol and swamp thing they keep elevating their game. They keep leveling up with the production value. Um, granted, I didn't really like how Swamp Thing looked at the end of the episode. Spoiler alert. Um, overall, I thought that it was a really good, had some really well, well done special effects and also just grossness. Yeah, it was definitely. <laughs> The gross factor was was definitely there, it, it, and something I know you you we've had discussions of on long term listeners will will know uh, how you 
are really a stickler for practical effects versus CGI. And um, I really felt that they did a good job blending the practical effects and the CGI uh, with this episode. And it, uh, I mean, it was very seamless and their production, you're right. The production values with these shows do continue to get stronger with each iteration Uh, for a streaming service. I I don't, uh, clearly they probably won't uh, fully ever tell us, what their budgets are and, and those types of things. But, uh, the DC and Warner Brothers, they're, they are, they are putting some money behind this. And, um, and I think it does help, quite frankly, that, that, uh, Greg Berlanti, uh, is the production company behind this. So he has a well established track record with, uh, with the network, uh, with, with WB. And I think, uh, because of that, uh, he can, he can get these big dollars to, to put behind these shows on, on this platform. And ultimately, who knows, maybe they'll integrate DC Universe into a larger WB platform. But it, but it, it's clear they are uh, – their financials or whatever, whatever they're looking at, uh, they are they are definitely throwing dollars at these shows. And, 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 the, and the work product is shows and mm-hmm. uh, on the production – even the casting, I mean, they've been able to get some very strong, uh, cast, casting of, uh, actors and, and it's just really been, I mean, they have really ended the year, well, not even a year, which is funny, uh, in the time that this series, this service has been out, which I guess is just really since last fall, they have really come out with three very strong products. Two very strong products. Two strong, yeah. two, two strong products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's always well. Yeah, you, you definitely want to, in order to keep people, you definitely want to obviously elevate the product as you go forward because you don't want to start out at the gate with something strong and then it goes downhill and they haven't done that. It's okay. We all know you're a DC show. I'm a total uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I were a shield. Send me a check. See? <laughs> so, so as I was watching the show, because I know nothing about Swamp Thing, I just know it's horror related. I started immediately Googling um, different characters that we were being introduced to. And so I had no idea, like for the first half hour, that Alec was going to ultimately become Swamp Thing. That's like how 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 much I know about this series. Yeah. Um, but I kept thinking, I, the more I think about it, I wonder if this is going to r- retrospectively be a missed opportunity because what they could have done is they could have just had the first season be about him and Abby trying to investigate this, this um, virus that's occurring right. because of the swamp and yeah. at the end have him turn because – Clearly, they're going to go for the love story angle. They have to with these two characters. They just met Will, and he's already Swamp Thing now. It's going to take me a while to figure out if I can really buy their chemistry. Like, did he really make that much of an impression on her for her to all of a sudden be obsessed with him? I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's where I'm kind of like, I think they had... They initially had the right approach, and mm-hmm. then for some reason they're just like, and by the end of the episode we're going to have this explosion. It's like, well, there was a lot more to explore. I mean, he yeah. even has his secrets that we don't know about. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I did that. If I did, there was one. That was one of the things in the pilot that I wish they had delayed the transformation until the second or third episode. Because I, I, I like you, I just didn't feel. I mean, I, I saw the sparks, and they did a lot with the with the scenes between Alec and Abby to to show that budding romance that uh, will happen whenever he does become Swamp Thing. But um, I, I guess it's hard it's hard for me to see how that can develop. Because it was such a short time period. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just in the the believability factor of it. And obviously we have nine more episodes to go. So we'll, we'll see how it, how it unfolds. But that, that one, that is kind of a hard, uh, narrative, uh, pill for me to swallow at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, they, they have a lot of time to make up for it and prove us wrong, but, Initially, that's my first reaction to it. I'm like, hmm, I would have made a different choice. Um, Just like, why can't RJ Tyler, like, get a job? (laughs) Like, seriously, (laughs) he's in the first scene and then they kill him off. And I'm like, really? What is what is going on with this kid that he can't, like, lock down a good long term job? They killed him on Black Lightning, too, after a few episodes. Like, Jesus, did he piss somebody off? That's all I'm saying. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He was the poor, he was the poor sacrificial person of color that had to go at the beginning in a horror film. There's always gotta be one. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. As soon as it, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what Will's gonna say. Yeah, at least the folks in the hospital didn't get killed. <laughs> Whatever the creature like went off in the, in the lab downstairs, but, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah for, definitely. And yeah. shout out to Crystal Reed. For anybody who's listening who's seen Teen Wolf, um, she continues to secure shows in this genre. Um, she actually did a stint on Gotham, too. Hmm. Yeah, cool. so yeah. she's very much a DC person. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, I, I don't know if you know this, but the uh, some of the creative team behind Battlestar Galactica is uh, part of the, the showrunning team. Nope, did not, did not know that at all. Yeah, so I know how much of a big Battlestar fan you are. Mark uh, uh, Ver, Verheiden, the uh, lead writers of the show, is uh, behind um, was behind uh, the creative team of Battlestar. So, well, so. well, we'll see what what that lends to because yeah. you, you know um, I don't agree with one writing decision already. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? I, I'm with you there too, I, and, and I'm trying to figure out will they will they as they. Explain open and explore this universe where we have flashbacks with Alec and as far as uh, getting into uh, the research, what he had with the Sunderlands, uh, clearly they opened up a lot of doors there with the Sunderland family. They're sort of old money in the town and uh, Abby and uh, Mrs. Sunderland's um, uh have a history there because Abby was best friends with her daughter and her daughter ended up getting killed and they blame Abby for it. So there's plenty of things there to mind. And and I wonder if they'll have some flashbacks with, with that, especially given that Abby's basically at least in a Sunderland's viewpoint persona, Nagrata in in the, in the town. 
I, I completely agree. And I, I see that happening um, because they they did a lot of planting of seeds in this episode. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> and, and and which is the pilot. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed it's all set up. It's all let me introduce you to all of these storylines that we're going to mine out for the rest of the season. The one thing that they did not acknowledge that I think is very intriguing, and I wonder if they're like holding back, is um, Abby's family. Mm. You know, at one point I thought they were yeah. going to do this this change and and be like, oh, actually she changed her last name and she's actually a Sunderland too, for a moment, and then they didn't, and so I'm like, well, where's where's her dad? Where's her mom? What what happened there? Because right. when she left town, she didn't just leave behind the Sunderland. She left her own family there, too. And from what I understand is that her dad in particular has a large role to play in this narrative. But that could be a season two or three storyline. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. What let's um as like you, I'm, I'm really not as familiar with uh, a lot of the story with Swamp Thing beyond uh, the previous live action, uh, the movie that was made, I guess, back in the in the 80s with uh, Louis Jordan and uh, Adrian Barbeau and uh, Dick Durick was the Swamp Thing at that point. Um, but as far as the comic, I, I really haven't read it, so I'm going to have to definitely uh, do my, my wiki homework to, to get up to speed on the all the, the narratives and, and, and see how they uh, blend the stories and the comics and all the various iterations from different writers into this, into the show. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, from one streaming service to another, it took him a while, but finally Will sat down and watched season two of Cobra Kai. Yeah, I did. And, and like two nights. <laughs> <laughs> He was really yeah. excited about it too. Yeah, I did. I was, yeah, well, it was, I had to get through all the other shows first, but it, the same thing happened last, if folks remember with me in season one, uh, because I, I was late to the party, but uh, once I, once I got in the door, I, I pretty much just made myself a home. And I did that with this one, season two as well. Yeah, I did the same exact thing because it's, it's so easy to binge with the half hour episodes. And you know what's going on, so it just it, it's it's like oh four hours went by and I watched like most of the season in one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of season two? I I liked it. It it was it was serviceable. It uh, I I will I enjoy season one better. Mhm. But uh, I think this season there were just it, it was. Obviously, it, it, it was enough there to keep me engaged in for two nights. It was, I thought, a good continuation of the story with Cobra Kai and uh, Daniel and, and uh, Johnny, and of course bringing back Kreese, who's the uh, original sensei for Cobra Kai, and all the dynamics and things that uh, is part of this part of this universe. Uh, a couple things that did take me out of it and um, was the, the fight scenes this year were kind of over the top as far as like where they should be as far as like martial artists. <laughs> I was like, man, they're like Jean-Claude Van Damme in it there and they really are just a bunch of white belts. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, they were well choreographed, but it was kind of like, 
right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit too advanced for you guys at this point in your careers. But, uh, so that was a little taking me out. But as far as the, uh, one thing, one narrative thing that continues to just drive through, which I, the, the old rivalry, even when Johnny and, and Danielson tried to bury the hatchet and get, there was a great scene of the, of the two of them with their, uh, Daniel with his wife and, um, Johnny with, uh, uh, Miguel, who's one of the characters, um, uh, his mother, uh, in, in a restaurant. And there was a great scene, spoiler alert, of them, you know, bu- truly bonding. And we had that in season one too, I think, in this, when they were like in the, when Johnny yeah. was testing out, uh, testing out a car. And, and whenever you think things are finally after what, 20 or five years or however long it's been since they, since the original Karate Kid, um, they finally get things going in the right direction and then something happens to, of course, rip off that band-aid and just the, the old wounds just come back with a vengeance. Right. I, I, I 100, I agree. Um, I was about to say 100 and I'm like, but you threw out like three points and one point I didn't even realize was happening on the show. So, um, I disagree with the fighting because I didn't even notice it. <laughs> you're not, the, you're not the first person to say that about the season two. And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess you're probably right. But for me, it yeah. didn't like take me out. What took me out was Samantha. Samantha was so stupid this season. Yeah. I have to say, I'm, I'm so angry as what they did because she just turned into that annoying schoolgirl. I love you. I don't love you. This is right. This is wrong. And I'm just like, where's the backbone of this character? Like Mm -hmm. what? This isn't about two guys. She needs to be focused. Like, what are they trying to say about who she is? And she became much more of a love interest as opposed to anything else. Like she was, pretty much a plot de- device used oh. throughout the whole season yeah. and not necessarily even a character. Yeah. I found that with both female leads, actually, even what was her name? Um, well, no, but it was, uh, uh no, but Tori. her, was that? It was Tori. Tori. Yes. Tori. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's what, one of the things that I did not like about, um, both female leads in that they, yeah, you, know, you could tell the show was written by guys. Thank you. <laughs> because, yeah, because the, the 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 female leads were basically the same archetype of, like you said, the damsel in distress, not thinking, not having a, their own agency, and and that was. I'm glad you brought that up because that was another thing that did take me out of the out of the show a little bit. Even though I enjoyed it, but I just did have some issues with it as I was watching. I'm like, come on, they just both. Or just, yeah, they were written by men, and it just was so clear that they were, and it was not a good thing. Yeah, because this show, this show does really good with Daniel and Johnny, that complicated relationship. I mean, my, one of my favorite episodes is that episode where they are, you think they are finally going to become friends again. And then because of things that the kids are doing, suddenly it gets complicated and the lines blur. But they also had some good potential with Miguel and Robbie 
having that same volatile relationship where they probably would be friends if certain events didn't happen the way they did. And also their jealousy and their rivalry is rooted because of the attention of Johnny and wanting to be his son and Miguel not having his father in the picture. So there's a, there's a lot there. Yeah. You throw in the love interest stuff, you and and you um and you dilute all of that because it just becomes a melodrama. Yeah. And not a yeah, and and a, yeah, and it's just like yeah, oh, yeah, you're just replicate it's just fast forwarding the movie, just plug in the the kids uh in for the originals. And so it was, and I, and I, and I, and I'm proud to be stand, happy to be stand, stood corrected if, if there were some female writers in this season, but I don't think there were because I've, I remember seeing them actually on Collider Live. Um, I think some of the folks on the production team, uh, were interviewed on, on the show. And, uh, yeah, I, there is, this, you know, it's, it's a bunch of dudes. And so I don't want to belabor that point, but it, it, it definitely, it, it, I'm glad you brought it up because it did. Take take you out of it a little bit. Granted, the melodrama um, that I'm used to watching doesn't lead to one of the kids falling to pretty much what should be their death, but instead yeah. they just broke their back, and who knows if they'll ever walk again? Like Jesus, that yeah. that fight scene is crazy. Like it was. I, I, I agree. Like there, you have to suspend disbelief for a lot of what happened yeah. because yeah. of how long it was. But it was yeah. really entertaining. And as soon as they climbed up those stairs, I'm like, oh, somebody's gonna get it. Yeah, and I, I did was- not. I didn't think it was gonna be Miguel. I but I think I, that's genius. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I thought it was going to be the girls. I thought it was going to be Samantha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. But but then again, that wouldn't have done anything for her character because now she has guilt, which is right. interesting. Yeah. Um and it's good that it was Robbie because Miguel won last season. Well, yeah. in a way, but he also lost too because Johnny saw what he created. Mm-hmm. And there was some kind of um, despair over that. And then in this season, you have Johnny do that to Miguel. And suddenly the family that Johnny has found himself placed into probably won't want him anymore. And there's a lot of issues. Yeah. Narratively, it it did make sense for it to be Miguel for all the reasons that you just that you raised. And 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 Johnny truly finding that son he that he relationship he didn't have with his own blood son and and yeah it it definitely complicates things uh to getting back to the fight itself it definitely was like marvel net you know marvel-esque in the uh the way it all unfolded in the halls and stuff i mean it was well choreographed but uh yeah but miguel falling that definitely was a uh a, a, a gut wrenching moment, uh, for sure. And, uh, and when we, and spoiler alert, um, when, when we get to the end of the season, uh, Johnny's, um, well, I'll just say Johnny is having to, to deal with a lot of stuff and I'll just leave it there. And there's a couple other points I don't want to spoil for, for folks who haven't watched it, but, uh, definitely go, go definitely go check it out. There's, it's, it's a very entertaining quick watch. Yeah, definitely. 
All right. So that brings us to Cloak and Dagger season two finale level up. Uh, the show hasn't been renewed for season three yet. It's kind of disappointing, everybody. I think I think they're withholding off until San Diego Comic Con. Okay. That's the only thing I can figure at this point. Because it's, I know the showrunner, uh, teased, um, the show getting some Emmy consideration for outstanding drama. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the I mean, Marvel Studios and Freeform and, and, I mean, they're promoting the hell out of it. So I don't know if they're doing that to try to drive up numbers or they are just really showing that they're just, be patient folks who are 100% behind this show. Cause I mean, they're putting Olivia and Aubrey out there promoting everything. I mean, they're even showing up on like late night TV, you know, mm-hmm. so, so, and they were pretty prominent in the upfronts, uh, with the, with the Disney, um, upfront day. So I, I think they're just holding off until San Diego Comic Con. I, I wonder if some of it is also that um, we're going to just fast forward right to the end because they they did something I didn't expect in the end. Uh, Tandy and Tyrone are leaving New Orleans. Yep. And so and I saw a few things that are hinting that this is going to be how they team team them up with the runaways which is a show that initially was on hulu and then got canceled and picked up by freeform okay yeah it did it did because i guess i guess runaways will be on this fall yeah i think so yeah yeah i mean it could i mean there i know we've talked uh maybe offline from the show but as far as the potential for um the the crossover between uh these two shows and um Yes, they, they were going out of town. Uh, of course, uh, Bridget had notif- let them know about some, uh, a group of girls who had shown up dead on the shores down, down south. So, I mean, that could be, when I mean, you say down south from New Orleans, it's the Gulf. So <laughs> I assume they must be going to Texas <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know what direction it was from. I don't know because, and originally I thought it was New York because Bridget is from New York. Right. So there are some tie-ins there. Um, but then everybody's talking about them being a crossover with the runaways and that would be California. That'd be Los Angeles. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the brilliance of it. I mean, I, I think it opens up the door for us to really speculate, uh, and, and really just narratively, I think it's, I, I, whenever I saw, whenever I was watching the episode and saw that they were on the, that Tandy was on the bus and then of course Tyrone showed up, I was like, I applauded because in two, in two regards. One, it was narratively, narratively, I think they've, they've gone as far as they can in their growth in New Orleans. So it's, and given that this is a coming of age show, it totally makes sense for them to go out and just like spread your wings, like going off to college and then, or, or, or going off to the military, whatever you do after you graduate from high school. So, uh, so it was very fitting for them in their journey to do that for one. I, I 100% agree. 
I think that if they had done season three with another Loa, I would have been like, we've already seen this. Um, yeah. you, you need to bring something else. Like this season finale is called Level Up. The writers need to level up now. Yeah. They need to expand the universe or give us something new because you can't keep going back to that well. Now, granted, um, I think there's a Dr. Voodoo, which a lot of people have been saying has been hinted at this season. Okay, that sounds like a season five villain. Yeah. I mean, just because yeah. they're leaving New Orleans right now doesn't mean that they're, they're never coming back. Doesn't mean that they're not going someplace else. Right, right. And I, and, and, and I learned that uh, I'm glad you brought that as far as the season five type of villain, because I, I was reading some articles from the uh, uh, where the showrunner was interviewed. And he talked about how he hopes that this is a seven seven season journey, a lot like uh where we like, for example, another show we talk about, Mr. Robot, where he has a vision crafted out for Acts one through seven, and mm-hmm. so and and one of the things he did bring up is the fact that he hopes to you know see people like Mayhem and and others, um, Adina and um, come back. So because you do have such great um, supporting characters that that we've come to know over the last two years and we can't just can't see them just completely just being uh, disappearing because they are pretty integral to, to tie and Tandy story. Right. Right. So overall, what did you think of this finale? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really did. I, it was, uh, if it were before a season finale, it it hit everything that a season finale needs to do, which it, it definitely closed up all the little arcs that we've had, uh, that were, uh, that were patched this season. It closes things that we've seen from the, from the very beginning, as far as what happened to Connors, um, as far as the, him murdering Billy and finally getting justice for the, the, uh, for ties for the Johnsons as far as him being found, you know, guilty and, and, you know, his father, um, he, um, has his moment of, you know, getting back into good grace after his, his fall. Uh, Bridget, her story, um, you know, coming to peace with mayhem, but also, um, having, you know, opening a new relationship with Mina, uh, Mina, because she was, remember, she was, uh, was it a, was it a devastator or destroyer from the first season when they had the negative energy, she was infused with it. So, um, so there was a lot of threads that were hatched that they really tied up in Evita. I mean, how can we forget Evita? Uh, I mean, there's just so many things that her now taking Ati Chantil's place and, uh, her, into her romance with Ty and her, her new, her new life as far as, you know, her new journey and, and being very integral to helping Ty and Tandy defeat Andre. Right. Right. I, I actually felt like this, this finale was somewhat anticlimactic and it was, and I feel like, what what should have happened is um they they often always start their season with the first and second episode back to back but i really feel like they shouldn't have done that and instead should have aired those episodes separately and aired this episode with the episode 9 back to back 
Mm. Because I felt like you had a, so much, so much momentum mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this episode really just felt like an epilogue for majority of the time. Like after they, they kill off Andre, it just suddenly felt really slowed down and, and tying up loose ends and going through that. And, and also some of the stuff with Andre. It was cool because this is the first time we've really seen Tyrone in yeah. the rabbit hole. And, and I wanted to see more of that mm-hmm. because he, he has, he like literally encountered himself. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> because meanwhile, <laughs> Tandy's like encountering her abusive father. And that's a demon that we've known about for now two seasons. And we've known about Ty and his expectations and trying to to realize that just because he took a different route in his life doesn't mean he failed. But it just it felt also I don't I don't know how to put it. I just there was something about where I almost felt like it went on too long between them. Um, with Andre trying to, to make them stop and, and I, I don't know. It, it just felt like, okay, the, the action can stop and we can focus. I don't know. No, that's, that's a, that's a very fair point. Uh, I think, let's, I guess let's take each, each one of them separately here as far as their confrontations at the end because I do, I think you're right. First, your first point, which was they should have, Scheduling wise, had episodes nine and ten, as you said, back to back, because the way that th- there was such momentum that was built up last week with Blue Note, and then uh, with people disappearing and everything, it, it, it was kind of hard to get back into that tension when this show, this episode started with people, the people disappearing. So I, I think I will, I will agree with you. I think they scheduling they should have put those two back to back. As just a, a, a two-hour kind of finale night mm-hmm. event. Uh, second, uh, as far as Ty confronting himself as far as his despair, I could go either way with that. I, I, I see your point in that it was something that um, we have been missing. We, we talked about how we've missed Ty's journey this season, and, and then putting it in into the season finale like this, uh, it did feel a bit rushed mm-hmm. that he, and it's been teased because, but it was teased through Tandy's visions of hope early on when she, you know, she saw the perfect version of Ty where he is a, a police officer in the New Orleans Police Department and he's married to Vita and his family's back together and everyone's happy. Right. So, so we, we, we've seen that version of Tai Teed up before. So through Tandy. So it was, it was very fitting that these two are obviously linked. And so he confronting that version of himself, the, and all the opportunities that he's had and all the guilt that he's felt the last two years uh, for, of not measuring up. It was what better way for uh, despair to to basically use that mirror on on, on tie to 
just basically just double down to make the height go even deeper down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So I see that. Um, the other route they could have gone with him is the un. See, I think with 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 Connors, it was a little unfinished because Adina took care of Connors before tight. He has some closure, or maybe a closure is not the right word. He has some resolution with Connors killing Billy. Uh, so I don't know how much more they could have mined from that. Oh, I th- I think it was dead. I think that issue has been dead for a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only and and the other place where we could go would be Billy, and as far as still the feelings of guilt with with that, so. So, I mean, that, I'm just trying to make the counterpoint as far as what other places they could have mined for Ty to to feel that kind of despair. And I think they've really resolved those things. So, But that big one in the room has been that feeling of guilt and stuff. So I think it was very fitting that that was what they, they, they focused on this episode. Yeah, and and that's what I was getting at. It was that I, I felt like it was... It was an odd choice, but I I also understand how at the end of the day, based off of everything that's happened, that's the obvious shape choice to make at the same time for him to confront that version of himself. Um, but yeah, I just also I felt like the whole action sequence in that in the rabbit hole just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And they made small changes, but it just still felt like it was taking a while to get there because it, I almost felt like it, it took too long realistically considering how much Tandy and Tyrone have really gone through. Like they could have made that breakthrough a lot sooner in my opinion. Um, rather Andre having a few more scenes to play, but then again, he's a big bad. So sometimes you have to make it almost feel like it's impossible to beat him. And then they come out and, 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 um, get him, which by the way, how stupid are we? Yeah. Tandy's, Tandy's daggers are made of hope. Of course. Of course. That's the whole thing. And we even called it out like during the, the episode a few weeks ago. Yeah, when she's in the motel, she doesn't get the dagger. Her, um, the dagger only comes for, comes to her when somebody else gets their hope back in that motel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah. I mean that's the great thing about the show. There's so many there's so many layers and so many textures to it. I mean we can be forgiven for for missing something like that because yeah, it's it's. I mean, they've done a good job of creating a universe that is grounded, but yet still a superhero show. Um, and, I, and, I, and it was one of the things, too, I liked that, you know, as you mentioned, it was kind of an epilogue to uh, for the seasons, seeing how the thing, like, for example, with Ty, knowing he can't solve all crime in New Orleans. But mm, there yeah. was a good moment. That was a good touch. I'm glad they remembered to, 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 to show that moment where, you know, the kid that he's been interacting with throughout the season when they were back to selling drugs and stuff but he was like but he saw the, the ladies in the car clearly being trafficked they didn't forget that point and they were like like no 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 we well, we can't deal with you man we can't deal with you so you know those, those things and then of course tandy i mean there was a few cheesy moments like the zorro <laughs> on her dad so. I, I i still don't <laughs> get that choice i was like no yeah, no yeah, don't but, do it yeah, yeah, it was, a little, it was trying to 
maybe put a little bit of lightness into a very tense moment. But yeah, you know, can't be perfect. (laughs) No, no, I, I, they wrapped up everything that they knew. And I think that that shows like how this show is written. It's written in a way where clearly everyone is talking about each chapter continuously so that you can make sure the right lines and items are hinted at. So when you get your payoff, sometimes it feels like more of a surprise um, like the daggers did. And there were a few other magic tricks they did early on this season, as opposed to some other shows that we talk about where it feels like everything is much more confined in the space of that one episode, as opposed to no, if you, if you, if you were to say, allude to this in this episode, then there would be a bigger payoff down the line. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I th- you're completely right about that. And, um, there were some great payoffs, the, the, the daggers, just the evolution, I mean, of their, their powers where they leveled up and they finally got proper superhero costumes, which again, like you were, to your point earlier, how they tie everything back together, uh, Ty's cloak being the one that Billy constructed, mm-hmm. uh, from season one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, Tandy's being the perfect version of herself, the ballerina. So it's, I mean, that's, those, those are the little, those are the details that I think, which makes, this makes this show very enjoyable. And like you said, carrying those threads through all the way. Um, and, and reminding it being a a tapestry over the course of, of a season. Yeah. I just don't know which fight scene was more poorly lit. Was it the fight scene between O'Reilly and the Loa or that Game of Thrones battle for Winterfell? <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus that was Christ, guys. Get another candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that the, that fight scene, yeah, it was a little a little anti there if there was something that was anticlimactic for me in the episode, that one definitely was. Um wasn't as well executed as I would would have would have hoped, but uh, but you know, it, but they they made up for it with Tandy jumping out of the out of the cloak with the with the with the sword. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, I I agree. It kind of felt like they just they wanted Bridget to be involved, but they didn't know how to how to make sense of it, considering Tyrone and Tandy were had to um, go into the rabbit hole and he didn't want to bring Mayhem down there because, I mean, before Mayhem's been down there with Tandy and she kind of saved the day a few times. So um, you need them to have their moments. So what do you do with Bridget when clearly she can, she can help out. Um, You make her a bodyguard. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess if you make her a bodyguard, but it, it works with both Bridget and Avita at that moment, uh, even though it was poorly lit and you know, the fighting was kind of, you know, again, hard to follow. But uh, the bigger picture, the bigger point of them both being somewhat estranged from the two of from Ty and Tandy at this point, because uh, obviously with, with Tyrone and, and Avita's relationship ending and, 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 and Tandy and, and Bridget, not really seeing eye to eye on again this question of of justice and and uh, revenge and everything you know they they uh, but yet at the end of the day those two characters 
you know, have Ty and Tandy's back, and despite all the issues that they're dealing with, they can still count on him to to help. I mean, Evita was basically the key to keeping them alive. Because if that if the candle went out, then you know they're trapped in the in the pocket dimension with with Andre. Yeah, yeah. They they use the pocket dimension a lot this season. So, um, but I think I mean level up is kind of a perfect name for this finale because that's really what this whole season was about. It was about these characters. They now understand their powers, but how far can they really push it? And and last season we saw a lot of them viewing other people's hopes and dreams. And this was more, much more about the pocket dimension and what that is and what, how he can manipulate that while Tandy, it's much more about the daggers aren't only a weapon, but their hope and how can hope be a weapon? Well, it's actually a very useful weapon <laughs> very, very. <laughs> when you're battling despair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, and, and I mean, there's, with some really good moments between the two of them in this episode, I'm gonna get yeah. my relationship soon, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, either way, the way that, of course, waffles. And if that, if we don't get a season three, I, I really hope we do, but if we don't, I, I, I will, I will be okay the way the series ended with them. All yeah. the way out on the bus like that. I wouldn't feel cheated if, if by some chance the show gets canceled. I, I completely agree because that's what I was thinking in my mind. I'm like, I feel like the writers at some point said, we have to end it in this way because there isn't a guarantee we can continue the story. And if yeah. not, this is the way to end it. And I feel like arguably they did the same thing with season one, yeah. which again, this is why it's a well-written show, because they understand that they've only been awarded a certain amount of time to tell a story. And so they're not they're not focused on like, oh, well, season two, season three. It's kind of like, well, if we're only allotted this time, what story do we tell yeah. and how do we tell it? As opposed to, OK, well, if we have to do we have to do this setup. But there's no payoff because we didn't get renewed. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I, it's, I, I read where the showrunner actually did write a scene that uh, would have happened, I think, after them on the bus. But he uh, he rightly cut it, and he said he's just going to use it. He didn't say what it was going to be, but he was going to just if they do get a third season, they would uh, that would be the opening scene for the third season. So. Interesting. Yeah. They cut yeah. it and it's going to be the intro for, huh? See, it, it's, it's, it's writing is so huge for all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got to have a plan, but you have to also know when your plan isn't working and or could not work and be, yeah. Yeah. You got to adjust, but I think that is it for us today. Yeah. It, it is, it is, folks. If you uh, missed any of those prior episodes, or if this is your first time listening to us and looking for some shows to binge this summer, I think we at least two of them, which have completed, we I can't strongly recommend enough uh, with Cloak and Dagger, and even and also Cobra Kai. And um, let us know what you think about uh, Swamp Thing. Yep. And um, Will, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, the W I L L M P O L K on Twitter. 
And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.